Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Dash Radio. Download the Dash Radio app for free. Search for Nothing But Net. We're there every single day at 7 p.m. Also, my new show on OnsideRadio.com. What's that? Well, I talk to Five Reasons contributors and others about South Florida sports stories, not just the Miami Heat. Again, that's 10 to 12 every day on onsideradio.com. Our website, fivereasonsports.com. That's where you can find all of the latest free sports content. You can also find our YouTube channel. It's housed there as well. We've got more than 10,000 subscribers, so make sure you check that out. We do not have a paywall on the website. We've also got a lot of great sponsors. Definitely want to mention this one. This is a new sponsor to the Five Reasons Sports Network, although it's a great one. Fort Lauderdale Design Group. If you have a vision for your home, a picture-perfect kitchen, a contemporary bathroom, you don't want to trust that important renovation to just anyone. That's why people are turning to the Fort Lauderdale Design Group, a licensed and insured boutique-style company committed to delivering turnkey premium kitchen and bathroom renovations. FLDG understands the importance of your family work and personal time. So they use an innovative five-step process to handle every aspect of that renovation from start to finish. They offer photorealistic renderings, virtual walkthroughs, interior design, architecture, paint, doors, cabinets, and custom builds to code. And of course, everything else that you need with 20 years plus of experience, Designing and building in South Florida, the FLDG team is dedicated to exceptional work. So it's time to turn your dreams into reality. Call FLDG today at 954-791-8665. That's 954-791-8665 or visit FTLDG.com. That's FTLDG.com for more information. Again, the phone number, 954 791 Eight six six five, and now today's episode. One two three four five on the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA, featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reason Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Here's today's floor plan. I've got myself, obviously. I'm here, Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick or at Five Reasons Sports. And also, we've got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. Thanks to everybody who checked out the streams over the weekend. We introduced a couple of new contributors. Alana Tauhauer, I keep mispronouncing her name, so I apologize. Alana, also Marco Romo, um, and also Jules Morales. So all of them appeared for the first time over the first few days. Again, thanks to Royal Shepherd and everybody for manning those streams. Make sure you check that out on the Five Reasons YouTube. The Miami Heat are in free fall in the standings, although I feel... Greg, you know, we don't like to talk about moral victories here for a team that just went to the finals, so I'm not going to overemphasize that. But there have been a couple of significant breakthroughs over the past couple of games, you know, the Heat were very competitive with the Nets while still undermanned. They lose 128 to 124, but they battled back in that game. Again, shorthanded. They're going to be shorthanded for the next game. They've lost another player now. Still still no Hero, still no Butler, still no Bradley, still no Leonard, now no Silva, and now no Mo Harkless. So, I mean, they're still without all of those players, um, but there are two players we're going to focus on today. So before the break, we're going to focus on somebody we just released a new T-shirt for. Um, why don't you introduce the T-shirt? You didn't you didn't design the T-shirt, but you designed the slogan that has gotten some traction. So what is the new T-shirt, Greg? So it's a it's a nod to our boy Bam Adebayo. I 
uh, once said Bam Adebayo had no ceiling and that has kind of taken off um, and uh, has been embraced by Heat Twitter, which then extended to the Miami Heat uh, social media account, which then now has extended to Bam Adebayo and the team and the organization as well. So super cool to watch that happen. And, uh, um, you know, our... Uh, our resident designer Adam Smoot did a great job with the uh, with the design, so it's it's super dope. Super dope. You can say that I can't, but it's a very cool shirt. So make sure you check it out. It's the No Ceiling shirt. It says No Ceiling thirteen on it. If you're a Heat fan, everybody will know what it is. And all of our other Heat shirts are still on the site. But basically, we are going to talk about him in the No Ceiling context today. And then in the second half of the episode, because I feel like we need to do this, because I feel like sometimes we're unfair to him. We need to talk about Kendrick Nunn because Kendrick Nunn has basically been the Heat's second best player here over the past week and the stats bear it out. And now the question is what happens when everybody comes back, but let's start with Bam. And I posed a question today on Twitter. I don't think there's any question right now that Bam Adebayo is a top 15 player in the league before the season, both ESPN and CBS sports, when they did their rankings kind of put him in that category. It's a huge leap from where he was the previous year. He was an all-star, which puts him among the top 24, typically sort of top 24, top 20. Um, But now he was elevated to top 15, but we're seeing something different. Um, We've talked a lot about the jumper. We've talked about the efficiency. He is more efficient from every single spot on the floor. If you look at zero to three feet, three to 10 feet, 10 to 16 feet, 16 to 23 feet yesterday against the Nets, even made a three at the end of the half. He's more efficient from all of those areas. He's taking more shots from the perimeter than he has before, but he's better at the rim than he's ever had before. His overall statistics per 36 better than they were last season. But that's not really what we talk about with Bam. The stats are going to be there. He doesn't care about the stats like, say, his predecessor who wore 21 did. Um, but the stats are going to be there. He's just When he's on the floor, the stats are going to accumulate. But it's about mindset. It's about taking over when he needs to take over. We've talked about that so many times. And then it just seems like not just in the games, but even in the post-game pressers, like he gets it now. I mean, yesterday he said, I'm going to need to be more aggressive from the start. Like this went from Spolstra recoiling and sort of fighting back at reporters who said that bam needs to do this or bam needs to do that. And even bam getting a little frustrated when now it's bam. That's actually, these things are coming from him. So I will ask you now, and then we'll get into how, where the ceiling is. You say there is none. Okay. But we'll get into where it is. Has the light bulb gone on with bam that he can be not only the best player on this team, um, but a generational player for the heat and one of the top 10 players in the league. I think so. And I think a night like last night where he just um, the jumper was falling and then that just the the confidence that sprang from that he was doing. I don't know if I was watching Kevin Garnett or Tim Duncan or if if like there were moments where he's, you know, bringing up the ball and, you know, stutter stepping into a fall away. Jay, it's just like it's stuff that you never expected to see from him. Um, I it's it's surprising to me to um to see it happen so quickly because there were so many moments where he was tentative and 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 kind of didn't look for his offense so there's something that's clicked here and maybe that'll be one of the um 
silver linings of having Jimmy and Tyler out for any extended period. And, and I guess the only thing I'll say is that uh, at least right now, the heater in position and the parody in the East will dictate that they can have some uh, moments like this that can be considered a little bit of a moral victory where bam, you know, like clearly the light bulb went off. And then when you get Jimmy and Tyler back, you round into form, but obviously like a month from now, it's going to be difficult to, to look to moral victories. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about it. And look, Bam said yesterday, he says when Tyler and, and Jimmy are back, they're going to expect him to score 40. I, I don't think anybody reasonably expects this every night. But when we talk about top 10 players in the league, I, I think you and I need to figure out what that means, right? Um, it doesn't mean top 10 scores. Uh, it doesn't mean what somebody did before. It basically, to me, means impact on a game currently in all ways. And it also means, is this a guy who, as your best player, if, you know, again, if he has a, a complimentary piece, that's a good piece with him, okay? You don't necessarily have to have two top 10 guys, okay? Although the Lakers did last year. But if you have one of these guys as your best player, you can contend for a championship as long as you put parts around that player, okay? So are we, let's use that as our, I mean, well, well, before we start, do you have a different definition of that? No, I think that that's where we're heading. And like, that is a huge, um, I mean, that's a huge bar to climb over. <laughs> right. It is. So let's, so let's get to it. All right. So let's, let's go through this list and kind of see, because when you throw this out there, it seems, I, I saw the jokes on Twitter. It's like when people are, I think Nikias actually put out, that we have to start having this conversation. So Nikias, we're having it. Okay. Um, but when we, when he put it out there, as much as people respect Nikias's opinion on this and nobody, nobody breaks down more film than he does or watches more games than he does. But then, you know, the joke becomes, well, there are now 17 guys that were considered top 10 players, right? I mean, because every time some, one of those players in that sort of second tier beyond like the top five or six guys, we say it's a top 10 player all of a sudden, right? But guys come in and out. So let's, let's go through it. Would we agree that LeBron is a top 10 player? No question. Okay. <laughs> Probably will be until he's 85, right? So, I mean, I just, that, Forever. That's, that's where we're at. Is Giannis a top 10 player? Yep, in. Is Kawhi, when healthy, a top 10 player? Yes. Okay. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a top 10 player. All right. Universal agreement on those four. Okay. Now let's get into some of the others on the list. Is James Harden, in your view, as a two-way player, a top 10 player? Uh, yes. I think you'd have to say he is. I'm going to table it for now. Okay. I mean, I, oh, I mean, I guess you just framed it. The question is two-way player. No, I mean in that in that well, essence, I'm, I'm no. Talk, I'm talking about impact overall impact on a game. I mean, I I don't look. The, the, this is where this gets more. tricky because like if right. Bam were to be able to take his team two years in a row deep into the playoff conference finals or further, then 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 I'm ready to put Bam. And I know where you're head where you're heading in this conversation, but like to this point, Bam hasn't done it a second time. So that's where um, a guy like Harden, I still kind of would have in this realm of, you know, top 10 guys. Well, okay. So here, here's why I'm going to, and this is going to be a bit of an acknowledgement to Harden. Okay. I'm going to acknowledge that when we talk about two-way players to me, when you're talking about whether a guy is a franchise cornerstone, you lean towards the offensive player, right? Because you've had some great all-time defensive players who you were not building your franchise around. Like, I mean, one example, I guess Andre Iguodala was an elite defender for a very long period of time, right? You weren't building your franchise around Iguodala. Tony Allen was an elite, arguably the best, uh, you know, 
guard defender in the league over a five to six year period, but nobody was considering Tony Allen, a franchise player. So I do think that when we talk about like, to me, it's 75% offense, 25% defense. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So again, so the defense matters, but I do think we, and you know, when you talk about Kawhi, obviously, or Giannis, uh, or honestly, Durant, okay, has become a much better defender, or LeBron at his peak, all four of them can defend at a high, I mean, Giannis once just won defensive player of the year, Kawhi has, so all four of them defend at a very high level, but if that's, if that's the primary thing they did, we wouldn't necessarily say they were top 10 players, right? We would, we would say they're really good defenders, oh, and they can score too, but the ability to put a team on your back, a lot of it has to do with how you score, right? And, and how you set up your teammates and how you help your team score and basically that, right? So, I, so we're going to go with a 75% premise. So for that premise, that's why I'm keeping Harden in the conversation, okay? But I'm not going to put him there definitely 100% for sure. Is Luca <laughs> right now? You can't stand James Harden so much that you had to just, I, I'm uh, just I, add I, like I a so- lengthy disclaimer Greg, to adding him to this, which I just Greg, explained not, that you Greg, had to unpack I, that. I'm not throwing him out. I'm just <laughs> tabling it. Let's get to the next guy. Is Luka Doncic a top 10 player? To me, he is. There's just he, whatever he does on the court transcends whatever you think he doesn't do well. End okay. of discussion. To me, that's just De- my defensively, opinion. he's worse than Harden. Yeah. I still, uh, I mean, Luke, I know what you're going to do here. I, eventually, I'm going to get squeezed, but let's keep going. <laughs> okay. No, I, I mean, this is, I didn't prep this because I want us to actually go through the exercise. Okay. Yeah. So, no, I think, and, uh, and I think I, that this is good this way because now we're, we're going to see who gets squeezed. Right. We're going to see, we're going to see who gets squeezed. Is Dame Lillard a top 10 player? Um, I would say he's right on the cusp of, of he's like in the nine ish, 10 ish, 11 ish range. Okay. Now Lillard also is not a plus defender, but he, he's a carry you on your back offensive player who did get to the conference finals. He hasn't gotten past that, but he's gotten to the conference finals as their best player. Okay. Is J is Jason Tatum a top 10 player? Um, oh, he... <laughs> I didn't say this was going to be easy. I just let's is Jason... long-term. Yes. Um, this season. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he is. Yes, he is. You're going to see, we're going to have 17 top 10 players. Is Joel Embiid a top 10 player? Uh, I would keep him out of the top 10 for now. He's an MVP candidate. That's true. Um, and I know this season and particularly lately, he's been absolutely unbelievable. And if, if that continues, I guess my tune will change. But to this point, um, I, I don't know that I can keep him uh, above some of the guys that we're going to find end up just being more available. Is Anthony Davis a top 10 player? Yes. Yeah, me too. Okay. So he's my fifth. Okay. I'm not saying necessarily in that order, but for me, yeah. I've got five. The, the, the others are, you know, again, five other players we've talked about that are sort of on the border here. Um, is Paul George a top 10 player? No. It's better defensively than Harden, Doncic, Lillard. Yeah. And it's, maybe the shrink, it, it's the shrinking. And it's also just that I've seen him at his absolute best go against LeBron in those series back in Miami. And um, I just, I, I don't know, I guess maybe some people would say he's be- been better after that statistically, but uh, ultimately I don't think that he can be the number one guy on a championship team. Is Steph Curry a top 10 player? Yes. 
Defensively, he's not as good as what he does offensively transcends everything. It transcends everything to me. Okay. So I, I'm gonna put I'm a, him up I'm a Steph too. Curry okay. stand though, like like admittedly. <laughs> no, I, 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 I am as well. I am as well, but I mean right now I'm at seven, okay, and that's with considering some of these others, okay. Uh is Jokic a top ten player? Uh yes. But I, I, uh, I don't know. I'm saying that because I think Nikias would say it, and I figure like I better go with what he would say. But I don't know that like what would really. Say? Should we put on, that on a bracelet? On we on truth, right? On truth serum, I probably would leave him out. All right, I'm looking at the rest of this. Uh, nobody just on don't Toronto. Bomb. They don't have a top. I 10 Denver player. Nuggets. Sorry. Okay, is Bradley Beal a top ten player? No. And the only other one that I was looking at here, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, the, the, the guy who's on fire right now, but I don't think anybody would call him a top 10 player. Certainly Shaq would not is Donovan Mitchell. Is he a top 10 player? No. Okay. Is Jimmy Butler a top 10 player when he's not dealing with what he's dealing with right now? Yes. All righty. <laughs> Let's <laughs> let. Is is no? I mean, is is Kyrie a top ten player? Yeah. When he cares to play. Yes. 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 You have twenty top ten players. Okay. Let's uh, let's <laughs> let's go through it because I, I'm looking at the rest of the list. I don't see Toronto. I don't see Atlanta at this stage. I don't. Have see I really Atlanta picked twenty? Jesus. I don't, I, I don't see the second guy on Milwaukee at this stage. Uh, is Ben Simmons a top ten player? No. No way. Carl Anthony Towns is not than some of those we mentioned, but if we're using the 75, 25 <clears throat> thing, then, then maybe not. Okay. Uh, is Jalen Brown a top 10 player? Not yet. Right. But no, he's but he's trending. been playing like, like it lately. Okay. And that's basically it. I'm not going to ask you if Kyle Kuzma is a top 10 player. So we'll get off that Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, no, Clay Thompson is not when he's healthy. Westbrook is not anymore. Um, okay, so here we are. Here's here's the names I give you. This is how many names I've given you total, right? Cross off this one. Sorry, this is an exercise in progress. LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi, Durant, AD, Curry. Those are six that you and I agree on, okay? Mm-hmm. Here's Harden. And this is not in any particular order, but ones I mentioned to you. Harden, Doncic, Lillard, Tatum, MB. that's 11. Paul George, 12, Simmons, 13, Kyrie, 14, Butler, uh, 15, Mitchell, 16, Beal, 17, Jokic, you know, 18, Bam, 19, Jalen Brown, 20. Those are basically the 20 players that we're discussing, unless I'm missing somebody. All right. So you tell me how Bam elevates ahead of enough of these guys to get into the top 10, because conceptually, I can see it. Okay. Conceptually. If you talk about somebody, if we're going to say the defense is 25% of it, he's there with basically the top end of this list, okay? With yeah. Giannis, with Kawhi, with AD, okay? With the top end, with Paul George, if you're putting him sort of on the back a little bit, with yeah. Jimmy, okay? He's, he's in the there top with the five top of end of that list. Yeah. Okay. All right. 25% of the game here, according to our calculation. You're talking about in terms of versatility offensively and, and you know, ability to fill up a stat sheet, 
rebounding. He's not elite, elite rebounder, but he's a plus rebounder. Um, he's a plus playmaker for sure for his position. He's way above a plus playmaker. The only guy at his position who's even close, you know, above him is Jokic. Okay. Um, and then again, as a scorer is what we haven't really seen yet, but he's now eclipsing 20 regularly and he put up 41 last night. So let's go through this. Do you, do you see a situation where in the next two years he eclipses any of this group provided that they're all healthy? LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi, Durant, and AD. Uh, I think it's a tall order, but I, I, you know what? I actually think it's possible that he could enter into the tier that is directly below these guys, those guys okay. like, um, okay. and I, I guess I probably am sabotaging you here, but that that's where I'm sitting. I think you can really get there. You can sabotage me. It's fine. I just sabotaged the whole conversation with James Harden talk, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. So you've got, you've got five, uh, are there five that we can agree that he's not moving into that space in the next two years, barring injury, LeBron, yes. Giannis, Kawhi, Durant, AD. Yeah. Two way players when they're all motivated, which is always the question with LeBron, but okay. Uh, and provided they're healthy, which has been a question at times with Kawhi and certainly with AD and Durant. Okay. All right. So then beyond that, this next tier we're talking about, um, I think both you and I have Curry there. I think the only reason he's not necessarily locked into the top five has been because of some of the injury stuff and defense and all that. Okay. You have Harden. I'll give it to you. Okay. We have Luca. Well, they have Lillard. We have Embiid slash Tatum. That gets you to one, two, three, four, five. That gets you to 11 right there. Okay. Jokic, 12. You have Jimmy as a top 10 guy. So that's 13. Okay. So you're saying he's in that tier. How does he elevate enough to make sure that he is a top 10 guy? In other words, I mean, Luke is not getting worse, right? Like Luca's potential, yeah, no, Bam's he, he, potential. You take, by the way, we're missing one guy who's going to be top 10 Zion, but he's not true. there yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I don't think Brandon Ingram is there yet either, but no, you but can have like, a conversation. He's, about- he's in the Jalen. He's right behind Jalen Brown. <laughs> okay. You know, right. as we and were unpacking this. Right yeah. Now. Right. They're five and 10 right now too. So I don't want to overhype them. Okay. All right. But let's look at some of these guys. Curry. Um, uh, well, let's, let's start with Luca. Is 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 Bam's potential as a again while saying twenty five percent of the game is defense and Bam is going to trump Luca on that every time? Okay, but is Luca's upside offensively so much greater than Bam that Luca's overall upside is greater? Yes, I think I think mo- I think that there there's a significant amount of GMs around the league that if if they could start their franchise with one guy, they would they may choose Luca. Okay, that's fair. Curry, um, would we agree as long as he sort of stays at? He's this just a plateau? legacy. Yeah, he's a legacy yeah. ad. You just keep him up there. Okay. Um, let me ask you this question: You're starting a franchise for the next two years. Do you take everything that Dame Lillard offers, or do you take everything that Bam offers? It, it's it's contingent upon, and it's the question you asked me: What's it going to take for him to get to this tier? I mean, like if we see the kind of things he was doing last night doing the KG uh, turnarounds and the, and the Tim Duncan jab step jumpers. Like that's what changes this and, and his ability to handle the ball and like literally go coast to coast and initiate offense and finish the way he was finishing. And it's all about the touch with that jumper. If that continues, 
then, I mean, there, there really isn't any reason why he can't even get in the AD conversation in terms of ceiling. I, I mean, I don't see why not. So let me ask you this one. Next two years, a healthy Joel Embiid, which is, look, availability is an ability, okay? Bam's more available than Embiid over the course of his career so far, right? Embiid's upside and what he could potentially do over the next two years or Bam, who are you starting your franchise with? That's a tough question. You know, I, I would have said Embiid um, because of his offensive stuff and just, just he's just overwhelmingly dominant when he's really playing well. But when you see Bam continue to ascend at a rate that I just, you know, Ethan, you and I had a conversation before the season started about team, about which player was going to make the biggest jump. And mm -hmm. we talked about Bam being a guy who's had a, a particularly challenging leap ahead because to go from all-star to like, like superstar is the, is the toughest leap. And we're seeing him kind of nudge in that direction. And, and that's where like, I start to flinch when I think about what he can do defensively and his versatility as to where I think I may take him over and beat And people may think I'm crazy. I wouldn't have said that 12 months ago. Jokic next two uh, years, skinny uh, Jokic. I'd rather have Bam. That's just me. The defensive thing is just too huge uh, to ignore. He's basically averaging a triple double though. No, I know. And I'm probably, I mean, I'm probably the wrong person to do this exercise with. Cause I'm going to be partial to my, to, to the, to the heat players, but just out, out of bios defensive uh, stuff and what Miami wants to get to defensively. I just think you can't ignore it. Okay. That's fair. Tatum. Um, until Tatum meets bam at the rim and finishes, <laughs> I'm going with bam. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm understanding. You know, I will say this on Tatum. Um, Tatum has some nights where he just shoots you out of it. Um, and he's got to clean those nights up. Like, there, there are certain nights where, you know, you can see the other things he's doing on the floor, but also when he's not shooting well, it affects the other things he's doing on the floor. I don't see that with Bam. Like, Bam, Bam will have that, uh, that other impact no matter what. Uh, even if he's not a primary scorer on that night. And I know that the role for Tatum is a little bit different. There's more of an expectation of him to score, although especially when Kemba hasn't been right, but Jalen Brown has taken that step. They don't have Hayward this year. So there's a little bit more of an offensive burden on him, um, but it does affect the rest of his game when he's not scoring at that level. I, I would also take Bam, but I think it's close. Um, these two are, are more difficult and, and, and I, I think they're interesting ones. Next two years, if I was to say you could only have one, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You can only have one. The next two years of Jimmy Butler fronting a franchise, so you wouldn't have Bam, you'd have somebody else, or the next two years of Bam fronting a franchise without Jimmy. Uh, you know what? I actually I'm making you Bam. choose between your children, okay? This is so true, and I'm going Bam Matabayo. No okay. doubt. And and is it I mean, positional? Is some of it positional? Um, it, it's because I'm really trying to uh, approach it with the least amount of emotion possible, like and thinking about like who would you rather lead the franchise vocally and be the leader and blah blah blah. And what you saw from Jimmy in the finals, can Bam do that kind of stuff? Who knows? But ultimately, when you see what Bam is doing and recognizing that he wants to that he needs to assume a more vocal leadership role, he said it the other day. Like mm -hmm. he's just putting it together in a way where I think he can become a mini Jimmy. Maybe maybe not in 
all of the colorful ways from a personality perspective, but just at how he approaches getting his guys to buy in. And um, that's where I'm just leaning in out of bio's direction. Cause, cause the stats now match. So it's like, it's not that that's lagging behind. I am trying to figure out from a personality standpoint, who bam is, who's the model for bam in heat history. It's a difficult one because in some ways He's got a little Chris Bosh in him in that in terms of demeanor and kind of needing to sort of be pushed to, to the forefront. Like he's not type a, um, but also Chris Bam seems, I don't, I want to say that Chris wasn't super serious about basketball because he was, and when it got taken away from him, he missed it more than anything. And obviously we know how that all played out, but also, you know, Chris had a million other interests. It, it kind of felt like, I don't know. It kind of felt like for, for Chris basketball was just sort of, a part of the portfolio kind of, uh, of everything. Whereas with Bam, it's central. Like, and I think that some of Bam's other interests will start to, you know, Dwayne didn't have a ton of other interests when he first got in. Right. And then obviously, you know, then all of a sudden he was selling socks and wine. Okay. So I, I do think that that, that changes over time. And now he's trying to go on OnlyFans uh, with his wife, which is interesting. Um, but but I, it's, I always say this about Dwayne. Like, I remember covering Dwayne's first couple of years and being at an all-star game in Denver, Dwayne's first all-star game. And Chris Perkins and I were alone with Dwayne because we used to be able to get in the locker room before games at the all-star game. And we were just, everybody was with LeBron. So it was just me and Perk, like sitting there with Dwayne for 15 minutes. And I walked down, I said, I don't have anything to talk to him about. And he was just such a... I know there wasn't. And then all of a sudden now it's like you could sit and talk to Dwayne about a million things from, I mean, I mean, civil rights to anything. OK, it's just I mean, take some time. OK, and, and obviously he 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 grew up in the spotlight. Bam, I, I feel uh, he's not a Jimmy type personality. He's not a Zoe type personality, but obviously Zoe has great regard for him. He's not a UD type personality, although I do see some similarity there. Um in terms of, so again, UD anointed him kind of the next standard bearer. And I can see some of it in terms of the diligence to the culture and, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, in a lot of ways, he's his own person who's going to have to grow into it. But I, I don't know that it's going to be natural for him to be the kick everybody's ass type leader. No, I, I don't, no, I don't that's think that's him. him. But I also don't think he's Bosch in the sense that Chris was okay kind of fading to the background. And we were always sort of surprised when Chris jumped up, you know, and even Dwayne. Dwayne's leadership style was not to kind of call guys out all the time. He did it selectively. Um, of course, the, you know, the one that a lot of people talk about is, well, you know, we're not going out like that in the finals, but also nine and eight in Dallas. He was the guy who called that meeting, you know, in the locker room. So he did some of it. Um, but a lot of times what Dwayne would do was he would try to consult with UD or LeBron or others to kind of or yeah. Ray to kind of lobby sure. for his position. <laughs> yeah. In some ways, but also I, I think it was more of a collaborative thing. Like he would try to bring in the other guys and, and then by Dwayne sort of saying, this is the way we're going to do things. It validated their views in a lot of ways. And it gave it more credibility with whether it was Spolster or yeah. Riley uh, or whoever. So it's just yeah. an interesting conversation. I don't know that Bam's ever going to get to that level. I, I would say, um, I might lean Jimmy right now still. And again, I feel like we haven't seen Jimmy on the court in forever, but I might lean Jimmy right now, but I think ultimately, yes, I, I I'm, I, for me, it's more positionally. I, I think it's harder to find the type of player that Bam is than it is to find the type of player that Jimmy is. There are a lot of elite two-way wings in the league and guys who develop into that. There aren't, I mean, we're talking about the elite bigs in the league and we're basically like, okay, Embiid when he's healthy, 
Jokic when he decides to defend a little bit and Denver's numbers with him defensively are okay. So, and, uh, and then AD, right. Not in that order. And it's like, okay, then we're dropping down to Rudy Gobert. Like it's not, or Vucevic. Like there, yeah. there's, when Bam says because he's it's so of, rare that that's really the unicorn skill set has exactly, a lot to do with this. Exactly. It's more Bam one of one. All right. So let me ask you this one. And then, and then we'll, we'll kind of go through the list and see, see if he's top 10. If you could start a franchise with Bam or Bradley Beal over the next two years. Oh, Bam, no doubt. I mean, Bam just was, you know, having his best games of his career in the conference finals and maybe Beal will do that one day, but he hasn't even, you know, been anywhere near there. Right. So, 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 so that leads me to something. This is why I wanted to say, bring this up. I, I love Bradley Beal. You know that. Okay. Um, you know, to me, you go all in for Bradley Beal in a way you don't go all in for James Harden. But with that being said, I don't think there's anybody who questions whether Bradley Beal is a max player, right? Like there's there, when he signed that max, it wasn't like, okay, Washington shouldn't sign him to that. It was, should Beal sign it with Washington, right? D did anybody question whether it was smart for Washington no, to give Beal the max? Okay. No. So why would any, so why did anybody question why it was smart for the heat to give Bam the max? Cause that was out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, one, one is that the limited offensive game was still a question mark that I think maybe more the the basketball purist had. And then there's just, a, there was a, a faction of the people that we hear the loudest you and I, Ethan, that were, that had 2021 cap space in in mind. So there was like a, a, a jeer from the crowd as it related to the, um, extension because they were hoping for 2021 flexibility. So I think that that just played into how we got the reaction that we did. Yeah, no, I think that was part of it, the flexibility, but also I think there are people who are saying he's not a max player. And again, cause he's not, he's cause, cause he's not a primary scorer. Like that's how people like, uh, like the last name I was going to get to on this list is Kyrie Irving. And I think most people would say that even with the off the court stuff, and again, Kyrie does a lot of good work off the court, but doesn't seem to do a lot of great work with his teammates. Obviously he loves Bam. He talked about that last night. Um, but he can be a difficult teammate. He can be a difficult employee of an organization, even if he's doing good stuff off the court. But I don't think there's any NBA fans like your casuals or even above that who would question whether Kyrie is worth a max when he yeah. plays. No, and but what, what makes this so funny is that like we're going through this list and you're talking about like would Bam be – um, is con considered a max player versus Kyrie. And when you listen to Kyrie in the post-game interview, he was saying like, oh, I've known Bam since he was 15. I was watching him when he was in grade school. Like, So it's just an interesting dynamic to see that actually Bam is like the young buck here that they're seeing like the, the young guy that's kind of emerging on the scene. And we're talking about him being just as valuable as all those guys. I mean, to think about that leap, it's just, it's, it's, it's unheard of. Well, he regardless of whether Popovich lost his mind. Okay. The reality is Bam did not make a weak U S roster. I mean, it, right. I mean, he, he lost out beg to, him to come. <laughs> right. I mean, he lost, right. He lost out to miles Turner and, and one of the Plumleys. It was Mason. Okay. Like he lost out to them. And although Heat fans were kind of outraged by it, like there wasn't any national outrage about it. It was like, I mean, nobody paid attention to that team. It was just like, there were five Celtics on it. There's nobody else on that team except Tatum, Brown, and Mitchell was on that team, right? Those are the only three guys that even we've even discussed tonight, and we're not putting Brown and Mitchell ahead of Bam. The only one that we even considered was Tatum. So you talk about a leap. 
But part of it is a, a perception leap. It's not just a skill leap because Bam had some of these skills. It's it's a perception leap. Like when he went to the All-Star game last year, he was kind of like a sort of borderline for a lot of yeah, people. Right. Sure. And, right. Like and, they and were then, being and, introduced to him. Right. And then even the skills competition, like, oh, wow, he can do all that stuff. You know, when he basically outplayed Siakam, I mean, before in the first half last year, Siakam was ahead of Bam. So it, it is remarkable. That's and that's true. why when you and I are discussing this, I do think we have 10 guys ahead of him for now. OK, but I think the reason it's an interesting discussion and we shouldn't. And, and like Nikaya said, we should start having it is because we've already seen this kind of leap from year two to year three, year three pre-bubble to the year three post-bubble year three post bubble to year four. I mean, I'm not going to put it past him to start putting up Giannis numbers consistently once he realizes how good he is. Like I, it, it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could have some tier one nights. Like you're talking about the LeBron Giannis, Kawhi Durant, AD Curry. Okay. If you're going to say that's the tier. And again, I put Harden a little below that, you know, where he's having some tier one nights in addition to sort of firmly entrenching himself in tier two. So it's not a ridiculous conversation, not, not because necessarily where Bam is now, but I think where, if you see, you know, you see a stock, you know, you saw zoom stock when it was at 70 bucks. Okay. When I had it and dumped it. Okay. Uh, you know, and you saw it go up to 500, like you could see what was happening there. If you, and I think with Bam, you can kind of see what's happening there. So we'll get your guys' thoughts on five reasons sports. I've gotten a little bit longer on this than we wanted to. We want to get to the Kendrick Nunn conversation as well. But before we do, I want to tell you about prizepicks.com. Use the code five F I V E. I've been playing all weekend long. I've been playing the NFL games, the NBA games, you know, you can mix NFL and NBA. So not only can you decide, Okay, you think, again, if you thought Aaron Rodgers was going to go over, whether it's on passing yards because they're doing single stat now or of his overall fantasy points, you can combine Aaron Rodgers with LeBron James. Okay, you can you can combine all the different uh, sports. You're going to be able to do this when we get to MLB and all of the other sports that you can possibly play. Use the code five F I V E. Just deposit 20 bucks. Play around with it. You can do flex play where if you get one right. You get some of your money back. Uh, or you can just go for all of it and just go all in. You can pair four players together, three players, five players, whatever you want. It's the new fantasy game. You see the billboards on 95. This is the one that's taken over. But use our code because you'll get a bonus, F-I-V-E. Again, it's prizepicks.com, the new way to play daily fantasy. All right, let's get to someone else um, who deserves some mention here. Kendrick Nunn over the past four games is averaging nearly 22 points a game. And he is shooting in the 50s. Okay. I got to check the exact number, but basically like 52%. All right. Over the past four, his per 36 numbers per this year, this year. And I know we're talking about a tiny sample size. His per 36 numbers this year are better than his per 36 minute numbers when he was second in rookie of the year voting. And yet, when I tweet all of this out, Greg, all I get is, well, he's increasing his trade value. Let's start here. First, What's your evaluation of how he's been playing? That's how I want to start. Two, is there a place for him now <laughs> when Bradley finally comes back, when Hero comes back, etc.? And three, do we ever get to a point where Heat fans just embrace him as a Heat player instead of a rehabilitated trade chip? Wow, those are some loaded questions. One, how he's playing. He's been great. He's been um, the Kendrick Nunn that we grew to love from last season. And now it's becoming much more than, um, uh, I guess, as each game passes, it's less small sample size theater. You know, now we're up to four games consecutively where he has been 
um, the, you know, the best player off the bench and, and a key scorer for the team. And that's like the role for him is like the microwave of and off the bench that's just coming in scoring buckets and you know we've seen the benefit of the rebounding the assists go up just the overall activity so all that is super necessary to their um uh success going forward even with jimmy hero and bradley back i really do think that there is a role for him because uh, I just don't think that it's realistic to expect to have the full roster for extended periods of time. And I think that they're going to manage it as such so that when the playoffs arrive, they do have the full complement of players. So just by virtue of that, you're going to need everybody. And the fact that he's been so productive, um, that's been awesome. Uh, at, will the Heat fans ever embrace him as anything other than a trade chip? I just always feel like when everyone assessed the roster and they looked at the young players that they had, he was always the guy everyone was most willing to part with because one, he was the most incremental to the top. Like no one expected Kendrick Nunn to be good at all. Like that was just icing on the cake. And two, you felt like he was good enough to be included in a trade to retrieve a good player in return. And you could sacrifice him and still have a lot of stuff to, uh, to be, you know, happy with on the roster still. So I don't know that that's ever going to go away no matter how well he plays. Yeah. But here's the one counter to it. And, and I, and I'm with you on all three of those points, but the one counter to it is this. A, he had COVID. We don't know how that affected him. Okay. And I, we don't know how that sort of then created a chain reaction with some of the other things he was dealing with in his personal life and everything else that happened that then led to him losing confidence because he lost his starting job. These things all kind of played together. And then Alex has talked a lot about him needing to play with certain players to be effective. Although that really hasn't been the case lately. Right. I mean, he's some of those players he was effective with, particularly Jimmy, uh, have not been out there. So maybe he's gotten past that. But the reason that I think he's made himself more valuable now is that, and yet look, if they can get a whale or even a mini whale or dolphin or whatever, they'll trade him. Okay. If there, if there is value there, if he's recovered some value, they will. Okay. And, and we talked about this last year where before Duncan made his ascent, you know, of a sense, we were like, I think when we, I reported this on the pod, people were a little surprised that they were more committed to extending Duncan Robinson long-term than Kendrick Nunn. This oh, is like yeah. a year then ago. People would okay? have been like, what, uh, what, what, well, they were like what when I said it at the time, but the heat were there at that point. OK, and, and look, that's not an age thing because Duncan is a little bit older than Kendrick, actually. So that's that's not an age thing. They just valued Duncan's skill set more than Kendrick's skill set. Now, since then, now it seems obvious. Right. Of course. I mean, Duncan's an 18 to 20 million dollar player based on what elite shooting is, is attracting. And Kendrick is not that. OK. And so I, I think now it seems obvious, but. To me, the thing that I think maybe makes them him, him more attractive to stay is that the Heat value players who find a way to figure it out, who deal with adversity, they, they're attracted to that. Spolster is attracted to that in particular. He always talks about Kendrick's story, right? And being tough from Chicago and all that. And I feel like this, if he can extend this out, okay? If he can find a way to, like, Spolster always talks about, like, make me notice you, Right. Like if he can extend this out where he, he makes himself, he went from somebody we talked about two weeks ago as being unplayable to somebody who they may not be able to put on the shelf. Yeah. Like Eric may it's need so, it's him. so true. Right? And like, right. Go ahead. And, and, and so if that, if that's what happens, then he's going to make himself really valuable in Spolster's eyes. And I think even more likable in Spolster's eyes. 
And it's going to be harder to move him like the, the, his whole arc of a story. They love that arc like that. That's that's they buy into all of that. And here's the other thing, Greg, they may know more about the situation than we know or the fans know about covid. Again, I know some of it. I know some of the personal situation, but the heat are going to be much more privy to it. And so that may be one of the reasons why Eric has not lost total faith in him, because he's just felt if he could get through centers and remember Spolster is very sensitive to this personal stuff. He's not the average coach. Okay. He's the type who, you know, when, you know, I, I talk about these kind of things all the time, but just off the top of my head. Okay. My friend, Joe Goodman, who covered the heat for, you know, with me during the big three era, his son passed away in his sleep two years ago. And when I showed up at the funeral in Alabama, there was a bouquet waiting from the heat. And the reason that Joe was crying when he said, I mean, he obviously did a lot of crying that week was because he'd gotten a long text from Eric Spolster that accompanied the flowers. Okay. That's Eric. Okay. For people who don't know him, think about that. That's with a reporter. Okay. <laughs> so think of how Eric was with his players. And so if, if Kendrick's been going through it, Eric knows about it. And I just think it's going to make it it's going to make him someone that Eric admires even more. And I think it may make him harder to move. And, and if that's the case, I mean, I, I think Heat fans should embrace that, honestly. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that there's also some some past stuff that, um, you know, we don't need to unpack here. But right. it, it, it has lingered amongst uh, a certain faction of the fan base that that just um, that is a cloud that that follows him um, that some people just can't get past. But. Uh, as far as what he's been in Miami, uh, it's been he's been a model teammate, model citizen, and um, he's been uh, the ultimate professional. Anytime I've ever spoken to him in the locker room in Charlotte uh, or Atlanta or any of the places where we've uh, came in contact, he's always was you know approachable and and a, and a really good guy that way. So um, I, I don't know. I, I think that Heat fans. This is the other part of this. If they're if the Heat start winning and Kendrick Nunn is instrumental in that, I think that everybody right. will start to carve out a place in their hearts for Kendrick Nunn. And this is the other thing that I think that is worth mentioning. And I'm, I hate to go to to cap space transaction uh, talk, but just quickly here because it matters. If he comes off the bench for this season and he is as productive as he is, there are ways where he won't meet the starter criteria and he'll, mm -hmm. he'll have a lower cap hold. So that also can help them from a roster building perspective. Yeah, they think about that stuff, too. I mean, that that definitely plays into it. But um, look, I, I'm rooting for him because, I mean, I, I he's clearly been through it. I mean, whatever the past issues were in Miami, like you said, there haven't been any issues you talk to his teammates, they like the guy and they feel like he's worked hard and earned the opportunity and he's done something with it the last four. And I just think we should acknowledge it. So check out our sponsors, not just our new sponsor, Fort Lauderdale design group. So make sure you do check them out for sure. Google them, find them. If you want, you redoing your kitchen, definitely check that out. But also prizepicks.com. use the code five. You'll just honestly, I probably shouldn't say this, but you're going to get addicted to it because I, I already am. And then also Biscayne Bay Brewing, which sponsors all of our streams. Check out BiscayneBayBrewing.com. Find out where you can get it in your area. Thanks for the Tropical Bay IPA because that made my Sunday by the pool go a lot smoother. Alex will be back with us this week, and obviously we'll be on the post-game and pre-game streams on the YouTube channel. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.